But we are so glad that you're here. Thank you for being here this morning. And uh, we are in a series called Church After God's Heart. A church after the heart of God. And we're in this series, we've been talking about, you know, what it means to love God. It means to, to, to serve God. And, uh, and today we want to talk about, you know, how to have a heart to grow. A heart to grow. You know, one of the things that's popular right now in a lot of the cider mills, you know, if you take your kid there, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a measuring stick, right? And you go there and you take a picture of your kids, and every year your kids grow a couple of inches. And we use that, you know, that measuring stick at the cider mill to see how far we've come with our kids and how far our kids have come along. You know, my kid, my, my son is 16, and, um, and he's just not quite there with me. I still got about an inch, maybe a half an inch with him. And, uh, and every now and then he says, Dad, I think I'm taller than you. And, and so we have to do this whole posturing, you know, and he got to get, you know, back to back. And he stands with his back. And, of course, Mom's the referee, you know, to see who's the, tall, who's the tallest here. And, and I'm just standing here just trying to be me. And, uh, of course, Nathan's over here, you know, he's trying to, you know, make himself as tall as he can just to get that extra half inch or an inch, just to say that he's taller than Dad. And I still got, I still got that, you know, I still got that half an inch over him. And, and, um, and, and so uh, and he's still got quite a way to go, maybe in another year, I don't know, but he's, he, he's getting there. And uh, now one thing for sure, you know, the older you get, you know, the, you start to shrink and you start to go wider. Right? And I have noticed that a little bit. But uh, today, I want to talk about growing up. I want to talk about real Christ followers. They grow in their walk with God. In Matthew chapter 28, we see this verse. It's the verse that's very familiar to us. It's the verse called, the two verses are called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus told the disciples, he said, you're going to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Again, this is the Great Commission, and we see in these two verses the mission of the church. And the mission of the church is to evangelize, to reach people. But we also see in these verses, we also see how important it is to make disciples, to help people grow in their walk with God. Now, some churches you know, that you might visit and see around. And some churches have a, a, an extra emphasis on discipleship. They talk about discipleship, and, 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 and they're driven by that. And other churches, they might, all be about, they might be all about evangelism. They want to reach people. And I would say that both are equally important, that both are the uh, two different sides of the same coin, and that's the church that we want to be. We want to be a church that, yes, we want to evangelize, but we also are called to help people be disciples of Christ, and not only make disciples, but in turn, make them a disciple maker. Uh, so I believe that's very important, and discipleship is all about 
taking next steps. That's why we have our mission statement on the wall. As you come in every Sunday, you see our mission statement is helping people taking their next step with God. And I believe that every person that's here today has a next step to take, whether this is your very first Sunday here with us, or whether you've been here at Lake Point since the beginning, 13 and a half years ago. Every one of us here, including the man that's on the platform here, every person has a next step to take in their walk with Christ. Our lives are a series of next steps. Some are easy, the easy next step. But let's just be honest, sometimes our next steps are a little challenging, isn't it? Our next step might be a little scary. Remember when Karen and I were, were, we made a commitment to move up here in 2008 to start a church. I was on staff at a, at a, at a very thriving church in uh, Pensacola, Florida. And God was doing some incredible stuff. I was, I was, you know, I had started, you know, when I first started at that church, I, I was kind of on the bottom of the totem pole, and I had kind of worked my way up on the staff. And for 10 years of being on staff, I had become the assistant pastor of a, of a, of a church of around 1,400, 1,500 people. And, 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 and I had a job there. I was not being forced to leave. But there was something in my heart that was telling me that we needed to go, that we needed to, to, to start a church. And we knew that we would need to start a church up here. And, and so God called us from Florida, and we took that step. That was a big step, to leave Florida. This morning, I felt it. I said, why do we leave Florida? And we woke up, and we knew that's what we had to do. And, and we put our house, you know, we, we told our church, I said, we, felt, we feel God leading us, you know, and, 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 and the next year, we feel like God is leading us to move to start a church, and we had the church blessing in there, in, in, of the church in Florida, and, and we had to put our house on the market. Now, things got real. Things start to get real when you put the house on the market. And we put our house in the market for 2008, in the, in the fall of 2008, and, and of course, if you remember this, this time, it was a very difficult time economy-wise. Bank weren't giving out loans. Now, no one was buying houses. Florida was, Florida was hit hard. All the houses were, were underwater, including ours. We were a little bit underwater. You know, we were like, okay, we, we've got to see if we can make the difference. You know, we had, to, we had a price point that this is, this is where we need to land you know, so that we didn't have anything that we owed to the bank. And, and, and so this was not an easy, hey, let's just sell a house and we'll, we'll find ourselves, you know, laying on our two feet really easy. I mean, we weren't sure how this would get a play out, but we just knew that this was the next step that God had us taken. And we put our house and there were crickets for three months. Not a call. Not, not anyone looking, and, and we were just, just hanging there, and I said, well, we got six months before we got to move, and so, you know, before we move up here, and so, well, we're just hanging there. And about December of 2008, right around Christmas, in fact, just after Christmas, the realtor called me up and said, hey, Scott, guess what? Someone wants to, to check your house. I said, oh, great. First one, 
Now, I've always heard that, you know, the first one never works. You know, the first one, you usually take the tenth person, right? And so the first one. But the first one, I needed the first one. I said, all right, come on in. You know, and I think, you know, I didn't meet her. You know, we left the house. He comes in, check the house out. The next day, the realtor, my realtor called me up and said, you know, she wants to buy the house. And she wants to pay in cash. And here's the amount that she wanted to offer, which was about $15,000 less than what we needed to be. And so we prayed and we asked the realtor and said, you know, I don't, I don't want to lose this. Maybe, maybe that's the $15,000 that we need to pay, you know, so we can get out of the house. But maybe just kind of, let's just put it out there. Let's do a counteroffer. And, and, and long story short, he ended up telling the lady, that wanted to buy a house and said, listen, this is a couple that wants to start a church in Michigan. They won't make a dollar, they won't, they won't lose a dollar if you meet at this point. If you make it at this point, if you buy the house at this mark, you know, this would be a great deal for them. And I wasn't sure how that was gonna work, but he did it, he asked. The lady responded and said, well, it's not my money, it's my daddy's money, so sure. God worked it all out. And that was a step. And then we, we, we moved, right before we moved up here, we didn't know where we were going to live. God provided it. I mean, the stories of those depths of faith. Sometimes those faith are huge depths and they're scary. Sometimes they're not as scary. But we all have depth to take in our spiritual growth. And our spiritual growth, sometimes we try to make it all complicated. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, which sometimes we make, you know, loving God is complicated. It really isn't. I mean, I'm reminded of a story by a man who wanted to climb a very high mountain. And so he did all the research, spent years preparing, buying the best equipment, you know, learning all the, the, the climbing techniques, watched all the YouTube videos on how, how to climb this high mountain. And finally the day came and he reached the summit. You know, he gets up there, he's crawling. He's crawling to the summit, well, and barely making it, he gets there, and, and to his surprise, he finds a group of tourists who's up there, and it's like, how y'all get up here? And so well, we took the cable car up. <laughs> Sometimes we, we make our spiritual growth journey more complicated than it needs to be. Let's not overthink it. Just take that next step and trust God to guide us, even if we take the cable car. Spiritual growth, if you're taking notes, it's intentional, not automatic. Intentional. We say this all the time. You've got, to, you've got to strive to do this. It's intentional, it's not automatic. Have you ever looked at a mature believer and, and, and you wonder or you wish you could be like that person? You say, man, I, I wish I could read the Bible like him. Or I, could, I wish I could pray like her. I wish... You know, and you see how they have all the joy and love and they share the gospel with people. They talk about God everywhere in their conversations. And, and, and you look at that, and most of us say, man, I want that. We want that instant growth. I would forget that behind every godly spiritual person, there are years and years of struggles and trials and, 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 and difficult next step that that person had to take. It begins with a dream. For every person that wants to go, you've got to ask the question, where do you want to be? What's the dream? 
And, and, and everybody has a personal dream. Everybody has a personal vision of where they want to be. Now, if I ask my kids, you know, Nathan, when he was growing up, he, I asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he had a dream of being a pastor, a spy, a boxer, and a ninja all at the same time. I said, that's, that's a pretty good uh, idea right there of a dream. Now, I think that's changed now. I don't think he wants to be all those things, but those were his crazy dreams. And I asked Abigail, what, what's your dream? And she said, well, I'll dream one day that I'll just be a babysitter. I said, okay, <laughs> be a babysitter, and then be a dance teacher. And so, you know, I love, I love hearing the dreams of a, of a young kid, but what is, what is your dream? And when you see where you want to be, when you see where God wants to take you, then it, uh, you got to look at the second D, and that second D is the decisions that you have to make. What, what, what do I do, or what is it going to take to get there? What is it going to take to get there? What decision you have to make? And then, the third part, to get to your dreams, you've got a discipline. You've got to have the disciplines. What will you do to get there? For example, we could all dream about being in the Olympics. We could do all the studying and all the making all the, okay, here's, the, here's how we got to do it. Here's the, here's the step to take it. But you'll never get there if you don't put it to work, the discipline that you need. Dream, decisions, disciplines. It's easy to dream because it doesn't demand much. Problem isn't so much with our desire to grow spiritually, because I know most people, hey, they want to grow. But here's the problem. Look at Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Jesus said this, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He said the spirit is willing. We have good intentions. We have good dreams. But the flesh is weak. So how do we do this? How do we grow and become what God wants us to be? Here's two thoughts, two truths today. Number one, God is committed to our growth. God is committed to you growing spiritually. He wants you to grow. Again, if you're taking note, God has never called anyone to be passive, lazy, or apathetic. He is always, always calling people to action. He is committed to our growth. He has a plan. He has a purpose for every person here. Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He got the steps ordered. He said he delights in his ways. The word good means a righteous man. A person that knows Jesus Christ, you see, it begins with a person that has a relationship with him. God can't order the rest of your step until you take the first and most important step here, and that is a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with him. I beg you today to know him. Just like I did when I was seven years old in 1982. And I go to my mom and dad and say, I want to know Jesus. And they took the Bible and led me to review some of the scriptures that I knew, that I, that I learned in church, you know, that past, you know, the past couple of weeks. 
all the verses I knew, and it showed it to me, and it said, Scott, all you need to do is ask Jesus right here, right where you are. And right in my bedroom at 8 o'clock at night, I got on my little itty-bitty knees, and asked Jesus to come in. And it saved me. That, that, and that was my moment. That was the day that God started ordering more steps in my life. That was the day that God delighted my ways. And I became a child of God. God is desperate for you. He is desperate for people to take their first, first step with him. He is not willing that any should die, that any should perish, but that all shall come to repentance. And then when you become a believer in Christ, God wants to grow. He's committed to your spiritual growth. You see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6 and 7, this is the Apostle Paul. He said, I planted a seed. Apollos, he was another preacher, he watered it, but God has been making it grow. I love that. I love that. I see that all the time here. I see people, you know, they come to church here, but they, they got saved or they heard the gospel at another church by another great preacher. And, and, then, and then, you know, they come here and, and, you know, they get more watering from the word of God. And, and, and God has a way for that person to, to bring fruit in their lives. I see it. I, I love the collaboration of not just one church, but multiple churches and multiple pastors and multiple voices in a person's life. They say, I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. He's committed to your growing. He said, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. I don't get the credit for this. It, it, but it's only God who made things grow. God is committed to our growth because he's the one who planted us. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 21. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. You see, when, when we grow in Christ, we, we are showing off his glory and his splendor. When people see you and your walk, when the people see that you're walking in Christ, you, you, you begin to become a trophy of God's grace that reflects who he is and what he's done in your life. Oh, I love the story when, when, when someone comes to Christ. I had someone um, a while back come to my office and he, you know, um, goes to a, a, a great church and, and, uh, and was involved in ministry and and, and mission, and he comes in the office and, and uh, to meet with me and to talk about what God was doing in his ministry that he had here in the area. And when he was walking, one of the, one of the staff members just said, Scott, was that, was that this guy? I said, yeah. I said, man, I went to school with him, and he was so far, far from God. What is he doing here? I said, man, he's on fire for God. She said, that, that's amazing. He said, only God. Only God can change a person's life. And God can use you. God can change your life. God can make you grow. He is committed to your growth. But here's the second truth that we must understand is that you and I, we must take responsibility for our growth. And Peter, again, he, he commands 
the people, the readers of his letter, letter in Second Peter chapter 3, he said, but grow. He said, you guys need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You got to do this. First Peter chapter 2, he, he also said, like newborn babies, we got to crave. We got to desire that pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15, our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our, our, our fear of activity among you will greatly expand. Paul saying that when, when you grow, the scope of the gospel grows as well. Your influence impacts more people's lives. We see in 2 Thessalonians, Paul, Paul is cheering on the Thessalonians for not being stalled, spiritually speaking. He said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he said, we ought always to thank God for you guys. He said, to thank God for the Thessalonians, brothers and sisters, and rightly so. And here's why. Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love that all of you have for one another is just increasing. He said, you guys are just, your faith is growing. Your love for others is increasing. And it's applauded. This is a church after the heart of God. This is what God wants. Where people are growing in their walk with him. Philippians chapter 2 captures our part and God's part very clearly. He said in verse 12, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not talking about working for your salvation. Because we don't work for our salvation. Salvation is a gift, but we are to work out our salvation. We are to live out our walk with him with fear and trembling, and that's our part. Then we see God's part. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's not all up to God, and it's not all up to us. There, there is a divine partnership that we have with God to help you and I to grow. But we've got to be committed. We've got to take responsibility. And to grow in our walk, that's just a valuable truth. And it's so simple, but you need to understand it if you're taking notes. You have everything that you need to be who God wants you to be. You have everything that you need to be who God wants you to be. Now, every day I take my kids to school, and I've been doing this ever since Nathan was a little kid. And I do it with Abigail. Now, I take them to the school. We make the drive over and get them in the car line. We pray. And after I pray, I say these words to my kids. I look at Nathan and Abigail in the eyes. I say, you've got what it takes. I said, Nathan, you've got what it takes. Abigail, you've got what it takes. If you're a born-again child of God, you've got what it takes. You have everything you need to grow. Again, Peter, chapter Peter chapter 1. It's just Simon Peter introducing himself here. 
He said, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those, this is to the letter four, he's writing this letter to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith that precious to ours. So this is a letter to all the Christians, to all those who understand who Jesus is in a relationship with him. He said, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And then the number, verse number three, his divine Power, y'all say power. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these, He had given us, oh, I love this, He had given us His very great, y'all say great. His very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. We're collaborating with him. Not just, not just some regular guy, but with the divine nature of who God is. A promise that won't be broken. He said, and having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I mean, the, the, the two thoughts here, when I think about our, what, our responsibility and what we have in Christ and what we have in God, here's the first thought. We can unleash the power of God in our lives. We can unleash the power. You know, I mean, think about Peter. Peter's writing this, and, and, and the people that, that read in this letter, they're, not, they're all podcasts for them to listen to. And there aren't videos, there aren't TV stations that watch their favorite evangelist or favorite TV speaker. And I don't know, uh, growing up, there was a tape cassette ministry. How many of you remember the old tape cassette ministry? You know, you could rent a tape, you know, and make sure you return it back the following Sunday. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's old school right there. Tape. They have a tape cassette ministry. You know, all they had, according to verse 3, the divine power. Their divine power had given them everything they needed. You have, my friend, all that you need right now to be that God wants you to be, and the power of God make that available for us. And when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said that when he told the disciples, he said, when I go away, I'm sending you a helper. He's going to help you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to come alongside you. He can be your strength. He can give you the power that you need to do the Christian life. I, I, you know, when I was in college, I, I was going to work out by myself, and nobody, there was nobody in the room. I, and, and I thought, I'm going to check out the the bench press. I started bench pressing by myself without a spotter. Which is a really bad idea. You know, and, and, and you're bench pressing. I'm, I said, how, how, how much can I put on here? And I started bench pressing, and I did one, and I got that up. That was easy. The part where it's already hanging up about three-fourths of the way up. You get that up. And then I brought it down. That's easy. Gravity did its work. But then I got stuck. I literally got stuck between a rock and a hard place. 
and crying for help. And finally someone came walking in just and said, hey, um, you need help, Scott? I said, yeah, I need help. And he helped me out. Listen, trying to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit is trying to bench press without a spotter. And the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit wants to do the heavy lifting. He will help you do what you cannot do on your own. And you need to unleash the power, the Holy Spirit, on a mission to help you become what God wants you to be. He helps us to grow in our discipleship. And then the second thought in second Peter here, we can claim the promises of God. He has given us his very great and precious promises. God promises are great. Look at the word mega from the word great. It means exceedingly outstanding. The word precious, it means prime or valuable. And when you put these together, we could say that the promises of God are, are mega magnificent. They're out of this world. When we serve a God, he keeps every one of his promises. Psalm 145, verse 13, the Lord is trustworthy and all he promises faithful in all that he does. We must take responsibility for our spiritual growth. So here's the question for you. What, what is your next step? This morning, what is, God, what, what is it that God is speaking to you in this moment? Perhaps that first step is salvation. You don't know Jesus. You've never asked him to come to your life. There's never been a time in your life where we ask him to come into your heart. And maybe today that's your next step. Maybe your next step is baptism. We got baptism in a few weeks, and baptism is just a picture of what God has already done for us, that salvation picture. It doesn't add to our salvation. It's obedience. It's saying that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a public proclamation of our faith in him, just like I wear a red ring. It's a public proclamation that I'm married. So maybe your next step is baptism. We had someone this morning who says, God, I'm, I'm, I'm making that my next step. I need to get baptized. Maybe that's your next step. November 12th, I already have five or six people sign up. Maybe one more from, you know, I know of one more from this morning, maybe more from the first service. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's time. It's time. Baptism. What's your next step? Maybe for some of you, your next step is a spiritual discipline that you need to add, that you need to put into your life. Maybe you need to start reading your Bible, praying. Maybe you say, you know what? I need to start being more, more faithful at church. So maybe I need to be a part of a small group. We started a small group the past week. It's not too late to jump in one. Pastor Dave Goff, he'll be in the lobby. He can show, give you more information about how you can be a part of a small group. Take the next step and talk to him and find out what's available and be a part of a group. Maybe it's volunteering and serving, using your time and talents here in the local church. Maybe your next step is to share your faith or to invite someone and to pray and, and, and say, God, I need to invite someone and start praying for that person. Maybe your next step is something totally different. Maybe your next step is, you know, God had something for you, but there are some things you need to do to give up and then go forward. There's some things that God is asking you to do today. To do. And if you're taking notes, it's so important. Procrastination is an assassination 
on the amazing future that God has planned for you. Some of you are just waiting. You're stalled. You're just sitting here. God is telling you to take a next step, and you're procrastinating. And that's the assassination on what God has for you, the amazing future that God has for your life, and you're missing it because you're not moving. You're not moving. You're not growing. And the good news is this, that it's not too late to be what you might have been. It's not too late. It's not too late to get going. It's not too late to take that step. You say, well, I'm supposed to take that step a year ago. It's not too late. Do what God wants you to do and don't wait till tomorrow because we're not guaranteed to tomorrow. Do it today. Do what God wants you to do. Until you take your next step, you will be stuck in your walk with Christ. What is your next step? What is your next step? No matter where you are now, it's time to take the next step. It doesn't matter if you've failed in the past, if you struck out, it's time to take a next step. It doesn't matter if you think, well, Scott, I'm, I'm probably just going to drop the ball anyway. I'm probably going to stumble. I'm probably going to trip. I'm probably going to make a mistake. Listen, we will make mistakes. We will fall short. But guess what? We have a God who is gracious, who is loving, who will pick us back up. We just got to keep moving. What is your next step today? And I hope you'll do it. Don't wait. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today. Help us to keep moving, to take action, to take a next step. No matter how scary or intimidating it might be, help us to listen and obey and do what you want to do so that you can show us the amazing future you have in our lives one step at a time. One step at a time. Help us to grow and be a church after your heart. A church that doesn't want to stay the same, but a church that wants to grow and they'll walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.